Welcome to episode number 17 with Bernie Hernando. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream. And they fill it with their secrets. It's called Inception. Hello everyone and welcome to Cerebral Mind Control. My name is Hadlin. I am a hypnotist, magician, mentalist, and speaker. Every week I will bring to you a driven, focused artist or entrepreneur and pick their brains on how they have learned to control their minds for success. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here we go. Welcome back to the Cerebral Mind Control Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by Hadlin Entertainment, Canada's one-stop shop for premium, corporate, quality entertainment services. On this episode, we learn from Bernie Hernando. This man wears a lot of hats. You could call him a jack-of-all-trades. We start with learning about Sabbath, the Saskatchewan Asian Basketball Invitational Tournament, and how Sabbath has quickly become the central hub for Canadian Asian basketball. We learn about the other areas of his life. He's heavily involved in the film industry. He is the marketing strategist and one of the main producers for the best Canadian movie of 2014, ladies and gentlemen, Wolf Cop. And we talk about Wolf Cop 2, which is coming out next year. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an amazing episode. I'm so glad that Bernie was able to take some time out of his busy schedule and meet with me in Saskatoon, even though he lives in Regina, and we were able to put this together for you. So please block off the next hour and indulge and absorb all the information that Bernie has and enjoy his story. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Bernie Hernando. All right. What's up, man? Thank you for hey, coming out. Bernie sure, Hernando. Finally. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to be here, man. Yeah, it's been uh, a few weeks now that we've been talking about, actually, since Sabbath. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's been October. It's been, yeah, a couple couple months have gone by since I last saw you. And yeah, yeah it's always glad, it's always a joy to see you come out at Sabbath, man. It's like you've been coming for years. And, you know, this year or this past year, you finally had your own team together, which is really cool to see. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you've been kind of building, uh, you know, yourself since like kind of within Sabbath too like you've been kind of getting your feet wet with the magic thing like right yeah you know, all, all at the same sort of time too so yeah no and for sure, I'm sure we'll get into it later got to see the the growth through that totally but, no but yeah, yeah this is all about you actually I, reason I have you on here is because you're a very accomplished person and well, thank you thank you you've done a lot um, and actually we just came from doing some of your work uh, we were doing a photo shoot right with uh, mm -hmm. st. John's ambulance yes um, yeah. so I wear a lot of hats so I'll probably get through a little bit of a touch a little bit on everything as yeah. as this podcast goes through but yeah I've been doing a, a little bit of work with st. John's ambulance I mean uh, they needed some a friend of a friend uh, knew the, the director of operations at st. John's ambulance and uh, their marketing person had just quit they just wanted me to they asked me if uh, I'd be interested in just doing their marketing for them um, and at the time I was just kind of like weighing things out like oh you know I've I've liked I've been doing the freelance thing for like the last couple of years and I kind of yeah. dig you know my own hour like digging my own hours and you know getting the work on my own kind of thing and just my own schedule so there's a lot of freedom that uh, that I liked having but um, I have a kind of a soft spot in my heart for nonprofits 
Um, I've been doing a lot of work with like uh, this do- this Filipino documentary I have, which oh, is yeah. another topic topic later. Um, but yeah, I have a soft spot for nonprofits, and St. John's Ambulance is a nonprofit organization, a national, global actually. And um, so yeah, um, today we just needed some uh, some we had a little photo shoot because we needed some marketing uh, pieces to. Right. to do and you know so I, I need some models I need some good looking guys to portray like our volunteer <laughs> MFRs so I thought I'd give you a call yeah. and uh, yeah fun. no just, no photo shoots are always fun you know that's and that's kind of the you can kind of tell in the photos you know so no photo shoots are a blast nice. but thanks for coming out really appreciate yeah, it yeah for sure no not a problem it was my pleasure and you know we're probably going to get to some of the bigger works you do but what else do you do what else do I do, man? Yeah, because I know people that are tuning in to just hear you specifically. Okay. They, they know where you're at, but <laughs> My two what, about, what about some other people or some of the other work you do? Well, currently, um, like I said, I wear a lot of hats. My main thing, like I've been doing a lot of video, not a lot of video work lately, but I do like some, I do motion graphic animation works for like small businesses and oh, stuff nice. like that. So I do like a lot of After Effects kind of motion graphic stuff, do a small video some small video work like some shooting here and there for specific clients I actually mo- help a lot of my other f- friends out with their shoots and because it's uh, ever since the collapse of the film industry uh you know people the f- people are in the film industry had to translate their their skills into other fields because you, you either uprooted your family moved to different province to find the work or you kind of made what you had here work so some of us like in my case um you know i was really handy with a camera so i just thought i'd move into the marketing and advertising world Right. Where I worked, started working at Capital for a little bit. A lot of my, fa- a lot of my family members worked there, so they kind of had a, a foot in the door for me there. So I started getting into the marketing aspect, working on the the internet marketing team at Capital for, oh, in the cool. automo- on the automotive industry. So that would really kind of open up my eyes a bit, like to the whole you know the marketing world because it's right. it's something I've always wanted to do. Like I I graduated uh, from film school U of R. In 2008 and got my degree but like and I just worked in the film industry and that's what I thought I was gonna do right. until you know uh, we lost tax credit um, so but you know I've always been handy with a camera so I've offered I kind of branded myself as like a video expert guy when I went yep. applied for marketing jobs so and that's what I did with capital uh, a couple of years of capital I left and started I worked for a look, uh, agency in Regina called look matters They're they've rebranded to just look agency now oh, but um, okay. I worked with a lot of awesome awesome people there uh, learned a lot more. Just kind of built on my uh, my marketing knowledge and experience working in an agency environment. Um, just because you're working with a multiple multiple numbers of clients, uh, like a, a lot of clients, right. different kinds of ideas. They're all like from you know nonprofits to like big companies and crown corporations. So there's a lot of experience I learned there. Just managing like the daily operations of an agency and how that works. Um, just kind of getting more of a business entrepreneurial mindset. And so after that. Um, I was there for a couple of years and, you know, I was, I've really, because uh, the industry was gone, I was like, okay, this is what I want to, I can, I'm comfortable being, working in the agency world. Okay. But then, um, this contest came along called Cineku, um, because I've always had, like, my buddies who still continue to, um, do films in, in the province here, they told, we got, got hold of this, uh, this contest, this national contest I was running was called Cineku. And essentially it was kind of like, um, an American idol of, uh, filmmakers. Oh, so, nice. That's awesome. So, and we were the pilot year, and uh, initially, we were kind of like the guinea pig uh, class, I guess you could say, because it was the first inaugural year. There was 90 teams across Canada that submitted a two-minute trailer, uh, just a concept of a movie, of a feature film that they think that would be good in theaters, that would be great in theaters. 
So um, it was a 12-week campaign of like kind of secretly in, in a gamified platform building your your portfolio or your package or your pitch package for your movie you know, or a project. Right. So every every week there was like a mission. So the first the first week was like tell us about the team, who are you guys, you know, on a video. So every 12, 12 weeks we had to come up with twelve videos explaining oh, wow. or projects, I guess. There yeah. was a, a there was a one of the weeks was you had to build a poster for your or two posters for your film. Okay. And the internet and they would put that out on their website every week, and the you know, online community like filmmakers, uh, uh, horror lovers like. Uh, comic people, you know, right. people from movie lovers just in general would go on on the site and vote to see which ones okay. would get, yeah, you know, yeah. and the, it was cool. a really d democratic view of you could see how or which projects, you know, people were interested in and want to go see. So it was really cool. Um, and long story short, 12 weeks later, the internet community wanted a stupid movie called Wolf Cop made into an actual movie. So um, that's how it started. That's cool. So okay. yeah, and yeah, we the grand prize was um, a million dollar production budget, which is like Mike, but like tiny. And when, when you come to, when you well, talking like about making movies compared to some of the other budgets, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, we're small compared to like Avengers was like a two hundred eighty dollar million, probably more than that. Like it was in the millions, but yeah. Anywho, um, but the production budget wasn't really the big seller on us. Like we can get funding from any like from any other place, like a private investor, or whatever. Because a million isn't really a whole a lot of money. But the big seller for us to apply to Cineku was the theatrical release in Cineplex theaters across Canada. And you know me, like I'm a movie guy, and you probably you probably grew up watching movies in Cineplex theaters. Yeah. Because uh, like Cineplex has like been the the distribution theater place in Canada. Like they're you know they're the men, they're the guys when it comes to movies right. in Canada, right? It's so totally. to have that connection, having our movie being played on the big screen, was probably the big sell for us. Because if you know anything about Canadian movies, like when was the last good Canadian movie you saw? Like Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. Okay. So Trailer Park Boys is kind of like the anomaly because, um, you know, they're they're really they go out there with a comedy, yeah. right? So, right. Um, but really, it's really niche market. Though, exactly. Right? Exactly. So, you know, there hasn't. But other than that, there really hasn't been yeah, a lot no, of Canadian movies. I can't movies, even think so. of anything else other than. Your movie, Wolf Cop. Yeah, so it was kind of a big deal having a theatrical release. Yeah. So that's kind of what really pushed us to like really keep going further. Because like twelve weeks is a long time to like you know push your come up with videos every week. It really took right. a strain on us, and uh, but it the it was totally worth it. Obviously, like the payout was worth like going through the hell of like those twelve those three months. It must have been some fierce competition. There was like ninety teams across Canada, and every every 90? other week ninety nine oh, zero no, nine geez. ninety one I think. And okay. every couple of weeks, they would cut down to the top 60, top 30, top 15. Wow. The top five were flown to Banff to, at the Banff World Media Festival. Yep. Okay. And uh, it w in a room full of like the industry, like the industry decision makers were all in the room. And we had to go up on stage and pitch. We had a, like a four, three to four minute pitch. And wow. uh, just, yeah, we had to kill it on stage. So it was a live audience. And there was a panel of judges who gave us like hot questions, like on the fly. Right. So it was intense. It was really, there's a lot of pressure. And, uh, but... Honestly, like I was confident because okay. you know I just knew how marketable a movie just with the name alone, Wolf Cop. That's what sold me. That's what I want to get on board on this project. Just the name alone was like, it's what is a it? Cool name, yeah. yeah, like you kind of get it right off the bat, almost, you know. So right, yeah. So no, it was a, it was an awesome experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Awesome. No, that's. Thank you very much for sharing that. I I didn't know that about about your journey in in that area, and mm -hmm. I'd like to know maybe some of the other, maybe uh. When you're in the competition, were there any hiccups along the way where, you know, you kind of got stressed out where to the point where 
weren't sure if you should continue? Um, there probably was, I'm sure. Um, like, but that's the, okay, so if there was, but you don't remember them, so that's, that's a good thing. That means you, you know, you guys didn't even really think about it, give it any power, you just pushed through and... For me, that was like the biggest thing. Like, yeah. I, I really, truly believe in the project, you know, um, yeah. so that was really my driving force. And I just, I know, I just, there was something about that project that it was so collaborative working with Lowell, the writer director of it, mm -hmm. and my, uh, my Echolands partner, Hugh Patterson, yeah. um, like from the get go, we were like all on board on this just because we knew the potential of it. You know, yeah. it had so many marketing okay. like angles it can go to. And it'd be honestly, like I said to myself so many times, like they are, they would be stupid if they didn't pick Wolf Cop. Really, because like, I don't know, I just, <laughs> I can't even explain it. But as far as the difficulties, uh, the difficulty was probably time. Um, just because like the fact that we had to come up with a video every week, you know, um, you've obviously done a few videos yourself. For it's, sure. It does, yeah. You, you can't do that easy. in a couple hours. You know? no. And video is not, the difference between a video and other mediums is that there's so many moving parts, like elements into video production, right? There's not just the camera, there's people in front of the camera and there's audio is like a big uh, area that people don't really take for like people take for granted yeah, you know? oh, yeah. obviously we're, we're doing a podcast now so um you know the one thing that we always say in the film industry is that if if you don't notice it you've done an awesome job or if nobody oh, okay. noticed it you've done a good job you know which kind of sucks because no one <laughs> you can't really like <laughs> point someone out oh that was awesome but those who are looking for it you know right. anywho it's I almost like magic in a way right that totally if you don't see it you did your job it's right. exactly like magic and that's exactly what movie making is to me you know it's like you know, we're creating the, the art of, we're recreating the illusion of life on oh. screen, right? And, you know, whatever it takes, and that's why, that's why they always say, like, the, the, the film industry is so fake, you know, but it's more of a literal term because everything behind the scene, there's so much thought and art put into every detail that's seen on the screen. Anything from, like, the background actors to, like, the art direction, like, you know, if this was just a blank room, you know, like, an art director would, you know, would come up and pick like the textures that will go on the wall, you know, like to every oh, yeah. fine detail, like the costume designers, you know, if you have a budget for costumes, but right. you know, like obviously on a big production movie, you know, you kind of notice, it's kind of like a grand scale and you see everything uh, from a bird's eye point of view. And I, from all the way from million dollar production budgets to like a zero budget, like, yeah. you know, like all those elements, you got to kind of keep them in mind, right? So it's such a collaborative process and which is kind of what I hate and love about, you know, filmmaking. But, yeah. you know, the payoffs to me is always worth it. And what really is, was my, the reason why I got into filmmaking is because I was blown away about the power of emotion and like storytelling essentially, right? Yeah. Because, you know, that's what really moves people, right? Is be, if you can, and to be able to control, uh, if I can scare someone, you know, and to create, to control how their emotions, you know, to direct their emotions, you know, like I can make someone laugh or I can make someone like cry their heart out or just be disgusted, you know, like yep. make, and having the power to do that in film is really powerful. And there's a lot of strong messages and, but I, I'm, I'm in it for the entertainment value. Yep. You know, I like to, I like seeing either people getting scared and laughing at the same time, you know, that's kind of like what I want to accomplish, whatever. Right. But, um, I don't know. There's so many ways you can use, uh, film and video as, for, as imagery for any message you want to portray. So right. yeah, I'm kind of wandering here, but that's okay. Yeah, no, and you're like trying to get into the minds of your viewers, essentially. For sure, you know, like you want to be able to connect with somebody, uh, and our my choice is through through film and video. So that's how I choose to connect with people. Um, you know, I'll put on screen something that people can relate to, or you know, something that 
introduce them to something that would open their eyes to something new or, you know, just kind of open their mind a little bit more. Right. So, so what is your, I, you kind of touched on it just now. What is your, I guess, guess uh, overseeing values behind being a filmmaker? Sorry, say that again. Like, like uh, your, your end goal, I, I guess. Um, my end goal, um, it doesn't even necessarily feel, I'm just trying to find an outlet where I can be happy at a, something that I enjoy doing and, you know, make a living out of it, essentially. Yeah. Like, I don't need to be, I don't need to be a millionaire, but I just want to be able to manage, like, I'm really a strong advocate of, like, the work-life balance. The, yeah. uh, the work-life balance, is that right? Yeah, work-life balance. Because, like, Cause you know. Work is in life. Right? For sure. And, you know, the work is, you know, you need to make a living, you know, you got to sustain your, your life, your life. Right, so that's kind of what it's for, I think. But if there's a way you can, like, I, I, I don't take a job where I know that if I wake up, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna want to go to work that day. You know, I'm, yeah. I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't put myself in that position. If I'm gonna go to a job, I'm gonna enjoy doing what I want to do. You have to you believe know? in it for sure. And yeah. I think anyone who is working right now at a job that they're miserable at, you're just like delaying the inevitable. Like, get out of there if you're not happy. You got to be really happy at what you want to do because, you know. We're not, as the older we get, you know, yeah. time gets faster, right? So, yeah, totally. And yeah, you got quality of life. I, I'm all about quality of life, for sure. Excellent, yeah. And, okay, when did you, you know, I might be getting the timelines mixed up in my head here, but when did you jump into this uh, full force? What's that, filmmaking? Or? Yeah, filmmaking and uh, making that your life. Well, was it hasn't really been my life. Well, I tried to make it my school? life. Um, actually, yeah, I guess, um, what, so I guess this kind of brings me back to why I, I'll give you a kind of recap of why I'm, yeah. it feels kind of cool to be back in Saskatoon for me personally. Yeah. So I'm from Re Regina originally and right after high school, um, I just kind of had, I just had a exploration or like a, a bug in me that's like, I don't really want to feel like going to, like I want to go to U of R. I feel like I want to, you know, I think before I graduated from high school, I played on a lot of basketball teams, a lot of basketball in the Filipino League. And a lot of my buddies, like uh, Joe Alejandria and Richard, um, they were, I'd play ball with them and they'd invite me to these, like, to play in the Saskatoon League, you yeah. know? So <laughs> this is back in the day. Uh, so I, we went up into Saskatoon, like, every weekend for, for basketball to play in the Filipino League here, you know? And uh, so I think that kind of what caught me, like, all right, Saskatoon is a fun place. I love the people here. I don't feel like I want to go to U of R. I think I'm going to U of S for university. Oh, okay. So I came to, uh, right after high school, I came to U of S. I enlisted in the arts science program here. And if you can believe it or not, I took three, it took me three years of chemistry. Uh, I took chemistry for three years and to realize that I didn't want to do it anymore. Okay. So it was just kind of like, uh, I was really disappointed in myself um, because my initial, reason why I want to go into arts and sciences, arts and sciences is because my initial uh, this desire was to be an optometrist. Okay. I've always had like a, you know, I love the eyes. There's so much you can tell about the eyes. There's so much like you can tell about a person. Right. Um, so much emotion there. So, and just like, I, I could stare at eyes all day and, you know, and not, there's no pair of eyes that are the same. So there's something mysterious about like, you know, eyes are the window to the soul kind of thing. And right. I don't know, I just had this affinity for eyes for some reason. Anyways, I want to be an optometrist. So I want to take get, you know, a science background to be able to get into Waterloo, which was, they only take one person from each province, so it was impossible to get into. I pretty much sucked at sciences, um, and, and I actually ended up getting kicked out of the university, uh, oh, yeah. just because my marks were so low. 
Okay. I just couldn't focus and, you know, just that's when I realized, you know, this science is, isn't for me. Although I appreciate it, you know, I had yeah. an interest in it, but I couldn't do it. Um, I didn't really have the brain capacity. I was more, obviously, that's when I kind of discovered that I was more of a creative person. Uh, being in a chemistry lab, I can handle being cooped up in a lab playing with uh, chemicals and trying to imagine the reactions that are going on and, you know, it, that's why I kind of like, love and hate Breaking Bad because yeah. uh, you know it has to do it was like kind of like what everything I wanted to that was involved in my life looking back like movie make like filmmaking storytelling and the fact that it had to do with chemistry and drugs it was just uh, Breaking Bad's unreal anywho <laughs> um, so yeah I realized I couldn't uh, couldn't handle it so I had to break the news to my parents they were super disappointed um, at first because Asian parents you know they yeah. come from uh, you know how they totally. are yeah. they want uh, they want they want you to come up with a doctorate or some sort of a degree or it's something. It's not university. an A, it's an F. <laughs> yeah, it's like that Asian dad meme. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> you gotta check that out. I'll send you a few. Sure. Um, but anywho, so um, at the time, I, there was a time, a period right between uh, when I found out that I got kicked out and uh, that, the point where I had to tell my parents. So at that time, I had to figure out a plan before I met with them because if I didn't have a plan to tell them I was just kicked out of school and I didn't know what I was going to do, they probably, you know, I don't know what they would do. Anywho, so in that meantime, in, in that break time, I found out, I was doing research on different things I could take, like SIAS or whatever, just looking at my different options, and there was a school called Sketch, the abbreviation was Sketch, I think it was Saskatchewan Center for Emerging Technologies is what, uh, what it stood for. It was a brand new school, um, and they offered a class, they offered animation, traditional animation, and 3D animation, and 3D animation sounded really, you know, intriguing to me. There was no other school, like science didn't offer it, they offered computer science. But, you know, 3D animation, there's, you know, sounds like a perfect mix of tech and creativity. So I took the course. It was a two-year certification course. Uh, so, yeah, long story short, I was a 3D animator for a while. Uh, after I got my certification, I job searched the hell out of, like, for jobs because yeah. I got my reel together. It was okay. I, I knew it was an amazing because, you know, that's when I really realized, like, the different stages of um, involved in some anything image-based, like, video motion based right. or whatever okay um even so i kind of went backwards like because i i got the, my animation certification first and then i got into real world filmmaking actual filmmaking um and it would have made more sense if i did it the other way around if i were to take filmmaking first and then do the 3d animation after because that would give me a better idea of what was uh what takes place and what's necessary to create a not just a visually appealing image but you know story even you know of having like really strong characters and having a good backstory um, so yeah, that's, uh, after, so I got to, I got, I was trying to look for a job, went to LA a few times for C-Graphs, like this, uh, graphics, uh, interf uh, computer graphics conference. Okay. Um, went to a couple of them in LA and San Antonio with my buddy Burke in Vancouver, who now works for Capcom. Nice. Uh, so he's living the, he's living the video game dream that I was, that I really was wanting, um, just cause we were both kind of, he was, we worked really well together. He was a, he was a modeler. He's an awesome modeler. Um, cause there's so many stages, it's like you gotta model it, then you gotta rig it, like with a skeleton, and then you can animate it, and then right. you gotta build the worlds, and then you gotta render it. So there's so many stages, and I found that really in line with not just, with filmmaking, because in filmmaking there's so many different stages as well, right? So, I kind of mirrored and got me to understand the film, the real world film world a little better, just having that 3D background experience. So anyways, I think I worked at Office Depot for the last, for the next three years, uh, here in Saskatoon. Oh, sorry, after I graduated from 3D animation, I got my certification, 
I decided, uh, it was a hard decision for me, but I decided to move back to Regina. Um, a lot of my friends here were really disappointed because, like, I built a lot of really strong friendships here, and, you know, I was just sad to just kind of, you know, even though, yeah. but I just told myself, it's you guys are only two hours away. You know? yeah. So, anywho, so I went back. Um, worked, yeah, so I started off as people here. I got transferred to the one Regina just to have a job to hold me over. Right. Uh, parents were getting sick of me just sitting in on my ass trying to figure <laughs> it out because I was still living at home at the time. Yeah, I moved back home to my parents, and that was, you know, it was, you know, it was just more of a, I know it was a security blanket thing, but it's also a Filipino thing, I think. Yeah, like, it's a humbling experience, too. For sure, it I is. I did that once myself. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were sick of, like, uh, me sitting at home. So I just, they, they said, well, okay, well, if you want to go back to school, now it would be the time, because later is not better, later is no better. So I went to, to U of, I finally decided to buck up and go to U of R, because I've already had a lot of my classes. I just transferred them over, that, and that would... Uh, so getting my film degree there didn't take as long. It only took me two and a half years. Oh, so nice. I got my film degree there. I just did a couple wicked projects, actually. One of, my one, one of the st student projects, probably some of my, my most proudest work, only because it was... Like, I like doing things with my friends, you know? I do, like doing projects with my friends. My third year university project was called Return of the Comeback. Have, okay. you, ever, have you heard of that? No, Anyways, yeah. I released it a long time ago. It's basically a karaoke spoof. Um, I'll send it to you. If you it's go to YouTube my, or something? it's on my Vimeo page. So if you go yeah, to vimeo.com/bernando, B-E-R-N-A-N-D-O, um, you should be able to find it. Nice. Um, yeah, Can't wait. Yeah, it's still, <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. I'm really proud of it just because it still stands up to me because you know I can and I because it's a uh, it's a Filipino like it's uh, subtitled in Filipino but okay. it's really corny. It's <laughs> it's totally spot on Filipino humor, and yeah, Joan Richer and like Buddy Dante, they're yeah. all actors in it. Nice. It was a good time. Anyway, yeah, check it out. I will, definitely. And I'll, I'll put it actually a link to it in the show notes for this episode. Sweet. So that anyone, everyone listening can check it out. Cool, man. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, man. I've just been rambling here. Hey, just, no uh... problem, man. This is awesome hearing your story. And it uh, really puts a, a, shines a great light on you as a person and how far you've come and what you've had to Thanks, go through. Thanks, man. I, know. I don't really do a lot of these things, just so you know. Like, um, no my, I get, like I'm known for my social media, which is... You know, I don't really like to think of it that way. I just kind of do what I feel, you know, what I would want to see or hear or read or whatever online. Yeah. You know, like um, everyone these days is there. Everyone's trying to build a brand, brand for themselves. And I started off really trying to, you know, build my own brand. But dealing with all these different like juggling hats and stuff like that, it's, you could, social media takes a lot of time. It's a lot of work. And I just can't keep up with it, with everything that's going on around you know, um, I've gotten to the point where I've matured enough to realize that if you don't know how to do something right, uh, if you don't know how to do something, hire someone who can do it for you. You know, like right. hire some people smarter than you. you okay. Know? So, um, for me, like I, I did, I did social media. Like I was hired to do social media consulting for a lot of uh, small businesses and stuff like that. But um, where do you learn something like that? Well, social media, you don't really. There's no classes or anything. Like there may be now. Like so, you kind of created your own. Well, it's, I I spend a lot of time online, not not because I had to. I guess you could say that Facebook was kind of a everyone that was addicted to Facebook for a period of their time. But you yeah. kind of learn a lot of how the interactions and how the networking happens in an online environment as opposed to a real environment. But so there opens up a whole new doorway doorways into different ways of communicating. So it was really learn, being like as a as just a general person who uses it and from a perspective of like as a business side you know you kind of had I kind of saw both sides of the table so I understood got to understand like what were the needs 
that business needed and what they needed to know in order to create an audience. You know, so um, yeah. Oh. Which uh, platform do you excel at most? Game's changing fast, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I wasn't. I'm still not a huge fan of Facebook, but I just kind of keep it lingering. You know, that's. Yeah. I just kind of, and the, a lot of people on my Facebook are just like friends and family. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't put any of my. I really, I'm barely on there. Um, I'm actually more on there for for work purposes than personal. Um, but Instagram, I use. I used to love Instagram. I still love Instagram. I just don't have time as much now because Instagram started off as you know this is my life kind of thing, you know, for everybody. And then, you know, as it kind of grew, it kind of got these niche kind of clumps of different group, Instagram groups, right? There's like the models and the foodies. And then yeah. there's like the fashion uh, community. And there's like, I'm in this sneaker group now where there's just talk about shoes and sneakers. And it's, it's kind of grown as more than just a pho photography pl platform. So um, as it evolved, I found that the quality that you put on Instagram has to be, is getting higher and higher. Right, so people used to just snap a picture, put a filter on it, and you know they're a photographer. Um, but now I think people are, you know, seeing more view, like getting more attraction on, on Instagram. So the quality of, is going up. They added video, obviously, so videos are getting better. A lot of businesses are like doing short 15-second ads. Like I don't know about you, but there's like ton, I'm noticing a lot more sponsored and paid ads on my Instagram feed than oh, I ever really? used before. Okay. Yeah. So Facebook, you, I don't know. There's a lot of Facebook ads, advertising, Instagram ads, yeah. right, you know. So you kind of use your creativity side and you've applied it to other areas, like obviously filmmaking, but also social media. Yeah, I like that's one thing I like about social media is because it's kind of like, even though the games have been, the rules of the game has been established, it's kind of like, a, I don't know, there's so much more liberty what you can do, although... You know, you take that good with the bad, you know, like someone can say something slightly racial on, on Twitter and all of a sudden it will blow up, you know, like, so there's a lot of like trolls online too, but there's a lot of positive aspects that can come out of social media too, right? So, um, it's just learning how to use it properly and depending what your, what your goal or mission is with social media, whether you use it casually or if you're using it to promote something, then, you know, there are different ways to, you know, get what you want to get out of it. Fair enough. Now, would you say that you should focus on maybe one of the main, like, for instance, would you say focus on just Instagram instead of Twitter, and then from there you can expand to Twitter, or do you say do it all at once? Uh, I would say do it all at once. No, no? Way. okay. No, um, especially if you're just starting to learn it. Like, if you're if you're no if you're familiar with social media already and all the platforms, if you can handle it, you know, go I'll go for it. But social media takes a lot of time, you know, um, like at St. John Ambulance, we only have a Facebook account, which was the most thing, the, the longest running thing when I got there. And I've only been there for a couple months and I just started their Twitter account. I would have started an Instagram account, but there's just no purpose for it because there's not a lot of, you know, visual action going on to right. sustain an account. Whereas like, uh, a clothing store would definitely have, Instagram would definitely be their, one of their main choices of right. channels or whatever, because it's a visual based business, right? Um, so yeah, Twitter, I love Twitter too. It's just, I don't know. I think people are more, people are these days are more attracted to visual, you know, they react more to visual imagery. Uh, Twitter is cool. Um, just cause you know, people, I think it's a brilliant tool for comedians. You know, it's, uh, cause they can fire off one, one line, one liners and shit. But, uh, you know, this, it depends on really what fits what you're, what you're doing. Like it's going to be different for every, yeah. every other 
brand or business or whatever. Um, have you done much with uh, with videos on maybe Instagram or even Vine? Uh, I played around with Vine a bit. Um, I just don't uh, like these days. Like uh, the quality of vines have also gone up too. Yeah, like there's yeah. some major like thought out vines like that Zach King guy, man. <laughs> man, that guy is hey. wild. Yeah, oh, wild. definitely. And I still don't know how he does it. Like I don't know if it's camera. Tr it's got to be like a combination of things. Like I still can't figure it out. You probably oh, know really? better than I do. Okay. Uh, well, most of what he does uh, is not sleight of hand or illusion that you could perform in real life. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like all in person. In, it's all in post. Yeah. And he has a YouTube channel. He's the Final Cut King, he calls yeah, yeah, himself, yeah, yeah. right? So I'm assuming that he's just really good at... Yeah, what he does? At, <laughs> yeah, Matt, he's a... I don't know. For like sure. He, he must have, like, perfect angle all the time and mm -hmm. do, like, thousands of cuts or... or uh, takes or whatever. Takes, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, like, I can't imagine his work ethic because it's, like, obviously he's got a huge following and... Yep. Yeah, like, um, that's yeah, the thing. Nothing against him because he does some amazing work. Oh, and of course. the magic that he is creating is awesome. Like, For sure. I what I love about him is that he's using that, like, uh, video, like, online video as his, as his platform, right? Right. And that's where he excels and, you know, it's kind of blurring that line, you know, and that's what I, like, I love people with that kind of, like, determination to be able to, like, blur lines of between certain things and to, you know, almost kind of, by blurring that, you kind of create new grounds in some ways, like, right. it's kind of along the lines of, like, you got to destroy to rebuild kind of mentality. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's kind of cool to see someone doing new stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was blown away at the, like, the vine, you know, because it just loops and loops and loops. I yeah. just sat there for, like, a good minute, just like, <laughs> how the hell? Yeah, anyway. it's perfect for vine, because, yeah, a lot of, a lot of magic is, like one of the major rules in magic is to mm -hmm. never repeat a trick. Right. Right. So doing videos and whatnot for mm -hmm. a magician is really taboo in a sense. Right. Yeah. 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 You know. So for him to be able to do those sort of things though, where you can watch it over and over and still not see anything, mm -hmm. perfect. For sure. So he's. I think he's still. He's. What he does helps magicians because. Oh, it, for sure. It just no. Promotes uh, magic and. Exactly. But yeah. Um, now, if we can. Jump to a completely different totally, topic yeah. here. I, I ask everybody who comes on to the podcast here what they believe is the purpose of life. Now, I'll give you some examples because I know it's, it's a tough question if you haven't had a chance to think of it. Someone has already said that they believe it's stories and telling stories, sharing stories. Another person said it's creating connections with other people. And uh, most recently, so, uh, Tim Cummins, he said that the purpose of life for him is helping other people. I would, I would lean towards helping other people. Um, you know, for me, I was going to straight up just say, you know, the, the pursuit of happiness is really what life is about. Because okay. ultimately, for me, you know, I want to die a happy, a happy person. You know, I don't want to die with like all these like clouds over my head, you know, regretting yeah. things that I think I should have, decisions I should have made back then, you know, you know, the past is the past for a reason, you know, and I've always been a, a person who likes to think what's ahead of them. Um, so if I know that anything I can do to make myself happier in the future um, what is, is what I'm all about. So anything I can do to, I guess the purpose of my life would be to make my life and the people, my loved ones and my family and my wife around me happy, you know, like... Um, my grandma recently passed away a couple uh, last week. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, thanks, man. Um, she she lived till she was 92. 
She was 92 years wow, old. That is a so she's very, very long life. Oh, most definitely. Um, she's definitely lived a very fruitful, uh, fruitful life. Um, 92 is a long, a lot of experience, you know. Yes. Um, so and, you know, she was uh, her health was deteriorating for the last, you know, last year or so. And um, when she passed, she had like family around her. Um, she was loved at all times. And you know, um, if I if I die. With my family, with you know, a couple people like that I, I know and care about me around me, I'd, I'd be happy. You know, like I just want to be able to live a purposeful life, leave something behind. Um, that goes back to helping um, in connection with helping others too, because like you know, you definitely learn everything you can like through experience in life, and to be able to transfer that to if you if you have a son or or, or daughter, if you have kids in general, like to be able to pass your experience onto them so they could leave lead a better life for not just them but the people they leave people like right. their lives with you know um so just to be able to help to help people and to just carry on like i really i'm a big advocate of the pay it forward thing you know like it's really doesn't take a lot of effort you know um even if you help someone like a small gesture means could mean the world to someone else you know and any any good i can put into someone else's life you know it I, know, I just feel that much better, not just about myself, but in, you know, I wish you could be, I guess it goes back to the saying of like, be the change that you want the world you want to, to see. see. In the world. You yeah. want to see in the world, yeah. So yeah, um, that's what that kind of comes back to why I kind of have a, a soft spot in the heart for nonprofits, because, you know, I like to, you know, help others when I can. Um, life is short, you know, we don't have a lot of time in this world, exactly. and so if I can help someone else, like, Everyone in the world, like myself, we all have issues, we all have problems, you know, we have our own lives to deal with, but it's probably minuscule compared to someone else's, you know, there's always someone else in the world that has worse off than you do, so any light you can shine upon someone else's day, then, you know, puts a smile on my face, so. I like it, I like it a lot, that's good. For sure, thanks man. Really good. Yeah. And, yeah, um, your grandma, I'm really sorry that that happened, she must have lived a, an amazing life, can you maybe share your favorite memory of her um my favorite memory of my grandma i was gonna say this for the funeral which is tomorrow actually but um uh, this no, podcast will be released after yeah i know i know um favorite memory of my grandma uh, i don't have one specific moment but you know she's obviously been a family a family woman um she is the mother to 10 kids 10 yeah my mom's the oldest I think Whoa. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of aunts and uncles. I have a lot of cousins. I'm the oldest of all of them. Okay. So it's uh, this, she's definitely left quite the legacy behind. Uh, she's got a huge. We have a huge clan of uh, you know offspring that that we're all here because of her. You know, she was yeah. one of the strongest women I've ever known. Um, and yeah, she's. Oh, sorry. So yeah, we're she's very family oriented. So every family gathering, um, she'd always be right in there, like enjoying. Just spending time with family and just seeing her great grandchildren run around, you know, which is something that she was probably like ecstatic to see every single every single time she had a moment with them. Right. Um, but my favorite moments are it's kind of like compiled into because like every gathering like once in a while, like every Christmas, or she'll let loose once in a while, and her favorite drink was beer and coke together. Oh yeah. So really? she, yeah. So she, <laughs> my favorite moments is when like my my all my family were all like we're a good time family. You know, we drink at every. Uh, family gathering and you know she and she's no exception she would also like toss up and have a drink with us and you know that 
just that image of like of her just being spending time like with her grandchildren and you know all all us cousins and just having a good time just the memory of family is just something that resonates with me and which is really important to me in my life so that's uh yeah just seeing my just remembering my grandma happy in those you know family moments is probably yeah. my favorite memories of her very cool that's for awesome sure. yeah we'll just take this moment for your grandma and just celebrate her life thanks man awesome and yeah you're definitely making her proud i know that you for and sure. the rest of your family thanks man i we want to you know definitely leave be the legacy that she wants us to be you know right so awesome mm -hmm. Why don't we talk about Sabbath a little bit more? But Sabbath, man. Yeah, Sabbath. Yeah, it's, it's how many years? 12 years now? Uh, we just finished our 12th year, I think. So it's going into it's going 13. To 13th. Lucky 13, man. Nice. Like, wow. Sabbath is like always uh, one of my favorite times of the year. Um, I think a lot of people can attest to that. Yeah, it's, um, it's you know, over the years, it's become now one, my favorite uh, basketball tournament and a way to celebrate Thanksgiving. For sure, it's uh, we kind of built it as like the new Thanksgiving tradition for us, anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like just to quickly, you know, talk about how it got started. Like uh, Joe and Richard Alejandria, they uh, they're really the ones who kind of actually their dad, actually uh, Lali Alejandria, Tito Lali, R.I.P. Anywho, um, he's he had this idea to give uh, that he told the guys to his sons to you know you guys should have a hold a basketball tournament because like Thanksgiving. When Thanksgiving season comes around, there's a lot of guys that move out of town and come back to spend time with their families. But, you know, you can only, sometimes when you're young, you can only spend so much time with your family. So you want to hang out with your friends, you know. So when the friends got together, they play ball. Filipinos play ball anyway. So um, we just started, you know, we got so many people that wanted to play ball that we ended up just, you know, getting a gym for a couple hours, you know. We'll shoot around. Um, and then, you know. People, the word got out that, oh, you guys having ball? You know, like, it's like, you're the underground street. It's like, oh, there's ball going on? Where, 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 where? And find the next court and, you know, like, I don't know what you guys up here in Saskatoon, but like, back in my day, you know, anytime you saw an open court, you know, you grab your ball and you start shooting, you know, yep. and people, and people will come, you know, you shoot and people will come. So. If you uh, shoot, people will come. That's yeah. Good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well. I guess good or bad, I guess. <laughs> oh, if you, yeah, we're talking about we're basketball. basketball. We're talking so basketball talking, here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so people were coming, the word got out that we want to, you know, we have enough people to do a basketball tournament, you know, let's, uh, let's get some games going. So it got bigger. We got like six teams the first year. Yep. Um, we weren't super serious. We got, we got a jam. Um, I was, uh, sorry, yeah, so we got a jam and then more teams, came, the more the years went along, more teams want to apply, you know, and like, this is, uh, you know, we're getting people, like, people that we didn't even know were wanting to play in this thing. And, you know, I wasn't sure what really made it, you know, that appealing. We are just playing basketball. Um, but the secret, I think, to Sabbath is what makes it, you know, so energetic and so lively is the fact that we have live music throughout the games. Um, if you go to a lot of basketball tournaments out there, like, in, within Canada, you'll never so see a basketball quiet. tournament yeah. with music going on, like, while it's playing. And I think having the music and the live commentating by Joe, like... It's like we take what we our vision with Sabbath was to create like a street ball environment into uh, organized basketball environment, like mash those two ideas together. And because I don't know, like we all played, like a lot of us played uh, like church league basketball, like growing up, but and 
the but some of the basketball that we've never seen on TV were on the and one mixtapes that we found, you know, like just right. online, whatever, right? <laughs> like, holy shit, did you see that guy that did you see those moves, whatever? And they, these uh these street ballers in New York and Rucker Park would be doing like with nicknames, would be doing these crazy like crossovers and like crazy passes and shot oh, it was it blew our minds. Like and one like totally changed the game. So what we wanted to do, and and one had those street ball tournaments. Also had like a live commentator. Yeah. And and I don't know. I just got it's not nothing no racial or anything, but like black hype men make everything way hyper. You know. <laughs> so having this, he's like a Rick Ross dude with a towel on his head, like just blasting to a mic, calling like whoa, burn that, blah, like just going all out, like speakers blasting while these guys are playing ball on the court. There's a huge crowd. You know, it's. It's hype, you know. Oh, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever yeah, seen the energy it? is for sure amazing. So we want to take the, that aspect of basketball and bring that to like an organized setting. So and Sabbath was born. So we got Joe live playing, live uh, DJing and, and uh, commentating on the mic, and the music blasting at the same time. The refs are trying to blow the whistle. Uh, teams are trying to communicate with each other. So I think it adds an extra level of you know obstacle like a child. Like, an obstacle, but like a ch another element of difficulty yeah. to the tournament. You know, it's hard enough to having to play like three games in one day to to win. You know, on championship day or playoff day, but to have that extra element of not being able to hear like your teammates clearly or the coach or hear the plays or whatever. So it's a it's a different element. You know, it's a, and I think that's what kind of sets it apart from other basketball tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's funny you say that because I I didn't really I wouldn't have noticed it. If you didn't say that, but magic, man, yeah. magic. <laughs> it, it's, it's a it's a great little thing that you guys have added. That just like in a, in a movie, right? If it goes unnoticed, it means you're doing it perfect. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's no, awesome. What? Yeah, because it, it almost <clears throat> I think what it's doing in there in people's minds is, you know, when you play a well. I don't really know have the experience of playing basketball with tons of people watching, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, if there's a huge crowd, and like NCAA or NBA, right? Mm -hmm. The crowd is super loud. It's hard to hear anything. Oh, hard for to sure. Hear your teammates. It's almost giving that kind of atmosphere too. It's funny you say that because you're you're involving you're getting rid of the your sense of hearing, right? Because it's a lot louder and you got to focus a lot more. Yeah, for sure. So it's uh, it's almost. Uh, creating that experience mm -hmm. in a sense too it's funny you say that because like uh guys who have played like there's some players that are playing right now who have played all 12 years you know there's some guys who are consistently there every year because they just love the tournament so much but you know i like one of my intention one of my goals is to create like some sort of like a Sabbath mockumentary kind of like an exaggerated us uh, you know documentary on like individual stories and like their perspective from their perspectives because yeah. like i've always wanted to do one from the players because like I want to exaggerate this one player's like story. Like even this, the guy, uh, this past Sabbath, there was a guy who came up to me, or came up to Richard and said, um, "Man, I've been watching Sabbath for like how many years, and it was it was like one of my dreams to play in it, you know." And you know, we thought that was a little far fetched, but like, there, uh, to to be able to, for this tournament to be able to affect someone that way, you know, like you know, cool, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but like some like the MIC team, you know, like Made in Canada guys, they. They're a combination of different races on their team, but um, for them, like one of their players, I can't remember who it was, but he was saying like uh, it, it was kind of like reliving high school moments for him, like being in a crowd environment where you're you have like you know a shot clock going down, you know, and you have opportunity for a buzzer beater and to have that high school 
you know, Carlton <laughs> moment in the Fresh Prince, you know? So it just kind of gives people, like, uh, an opportunity to relive their, you know, their memories or whatever. Trying relive to... their primes. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And, yeah. you know, I think that's some reason why some of those guys are still playing, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool because, yeah, there's so many different people who play in Seven come from all walks of life, which is kind of cool, you know? Um, so there's a lot of stories, and yeah, I've always wanted to do a, an exaggerated mockumentary on Sabbath, even if it's just like a 20-minute, like, ESPN 30 for 30, like, parody or something. Yeah, well, but, sounds like that's coming pretty soon, then. Oh, we'll <laughs> see. I'm, it's hard to try to come up with new th new ideas for Sabbath, because it's such a, it's such a, such a niche market, you know? It's basketball, and it's Asians, specifically, <laughs> and you can only attract, you can only, you know, relate to so many people outside of that, you know? Right. Um, so it was, it was kind of a difficult I don't know, kind of, when it came to sponsorships, you know, like, I, I tried to sell a lot of people on, like, the, because uh, Sabbath is obviously non like, not even non-profit, it's no profit, you know, yeah. we, we we do this out of the passion of, for our love of the, the tournament and for the people, you know, the fans, um, so we were always looking for sponsorships sponsorships to, to help, you know, operate the tournament, you know, so um, there's a lot of, you know, it's only, it's, yeah, it's such a small market, so it's, uh, yeah. But if anyone's interested, uh, holler at me. We're always looking for a sponsorship. We have a, you know, a huge, we have a huge audience, a huge draw. So, you know, let's talk. Definitely, yeah, definitely give them a, uh, give them a call or email. And in fact, what is the best way for people to contact you? Um, you can pretty much get a hold of me anywhere. If um, uh, if you want to get a hold of me on social media or Facebook, uh, it's easy there. Uh, I'll put all the all the links that. Sure. Yeah. My. Twitter and Instagram is at the real Bernando, um, and Facebook is just my name, Bernardo. Okay. So, but yeah, holla at me and uh, let's do something special. Let's yeah, make magic. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, then, oh man, thirteenth year is gonna be even better. I can't wait. Yeah. No. No. No doubt for sure. Uh, I already have the time booked off and. <clears throat> Excellent. Yeah, that's see, see the fact, fact that, that you're planning. I really have to do any booking off. I just have to tell people I'm not available that day, right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the the pros of being your own boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, definitely, I'm play, planning to play again the, this next year. It'd be Excellent, great. man. Excellent. Yeah, yeah looking forward to it every year, man. Every and year. now the person that came up to you was his name by chance Chad. Uh, it wasn't me. He came up. It was to Richard, but okay. I I don't know his name actually. Okay. All right. Because, yeah, he he was uh, played with us, and oh, he, maybe he told it was, me yeah. that he, like, he was so excited the entire year just for that day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because he was <laughs> like, yeah, we'll make a team so that you can play, man. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. No, not, to be able to, like, affect people like that, that speaks volumes, man. So to, fact, to have that affirmation that we're doing something positive in the yeah. community, because, like, the, whole, the other purpose of Sabbath was to not just, like, hold the basketball tournament and... But it was also to network with other people, you know, just to meet other people, bring the, not just the Asian community together. Like it's, it's, you know, Asian is in the name itself. It's Saskatchewan Asian Basketball Invitational Tournament. So there's that, the definite aspect of the Asian community there. It's to bring them together. But also everything, it's more of a lifestyle kind of thing. Like um, we're really urban-minded, I guess you could say. Um, one of the things uh, that also comes parallel to the, to the tournament itself is the, the party, which is kind of like the, after, the awards banquet and after party, because uh, we've tried to been el trying to elevate it every year, just because you know, after a hard weekend of like getting your ass kicked in the basketball <laughs> tournament, you want to celebrate, win or lose, you know. Yep. And in the past, everyone who hasn't won has never, you know, not had a good time at the party. And you know, we've been trying to elevate like um, just the whole 
music and culture of what comes with the, the basketball, you know, community as well, right? So uh, we, you know, we always try to pick, like, DJs that can, like, em embody, like, the spirit of, like, the tournament. Um, this year we put out a mixtape for the first time for the tournament. Um, yeah, so that was pretty good. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll link to it, too. Cool, yeah, no, check it out. Uh, DJ Ageless and Kid Chris from Regina, like, two yeah. of the dopest DJs in Regina. It's fun. Uh, we got together and put up a playlist. Uh, and just did this mixtape. Uh, yeah, it was just more of a thing to get people pumped and, you know, just another idea of how to... Um, this is what I like about sa using Sabbath. It's kind of like my testing ground for, like, marketing ideas, you know, like... But so it's always tough trying to come up with something new, like contests or whatever, you know, having a photography contest one year. I was going to do a video contest this year, but it takes time to come up yeah. with these things and, you know, juggling a whole bunch of jobs is, like, well, exactly. not... Yeah. So you... Only 24 hours in a day, so... But, uh... But yeah, doing something like collaborating was a big thing. So uh, collaborating with those those DJs, and we had like local rap artists to do like Sabbath uh, freestyles on on the mixtape as well. So it was you know bringing together like not the music and the basketball and the Asian community and whoever else is you know you know in, involved in, with those groups of people. So you know it's really really about bringing the community together on exactly. with the common ground. So and a lot of a lot of feedback that I hear just the grapevine about Sabbath is that it just it feels like everybody is family it's yeah it has become that way like we held it's held every Thanksgiving weekend every year so you know the fact that you're spending you know all the weekend most of the weekend with your players your friends at in the gym yeah. you know it becomes family over once you've done it like I don't know eight to twelve years yeah. so um, yeah they, they're they become definitely second family like and it's such a it's grown every year. It grows like more people, more and more people find out about it. We have teams and players coming from Manitoba, Alberta, as far as Vancouver. Last year's champions were from Vancouver, actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, players are on their team were from Vancouver. So yeah, there's the name. The Sabbath is definitely getting out there as far as uh, recognition. So it's uh, it's cool to see see it grow like that. Do you have any plans or goals for Sabbath? I have goals, um, but. It's the goals I have are <laughs> pretty high. Uh, I'd like Sabbath to be known as like to be recognized nationally. Like I want there to be like, even though it's Sabbath, Saskatchewan, Asian, yeah. But uh, to be able to have a tournament like that in every city, and have those winners of those tournaments go into a, Cana oh, a Canadian yeah. Asian tournament, that you know, would be awesome. do you know how wild that would be? And to create your own national league. Yeah, essentially. But it goes back to the Asian market, right? Yeah. So. I don't know. It's I guess the Asian communities in in Canada are are getting bigger in every city. Like the influx of Filipinos you've seen in every city oh, is yeah. probably ridiculous. Over. For sure, man. China's the next biggest like <laughs> world power, and Filipinos are going to be taking over Canada, which will be the next big power. No, I'm just exactly. Kidding. Yeah, you go to Subway Tim Hortons, we're there. No doubt. We're no doubt. You. It's awesome. <laughs> For sure. So yeah, no. Um, we're there's definitely a a growing Asian community, and to be able to you know take. What's so special about what we have here in Saskatchewan, and to have every other city apply those same values, um, and bring those into it, even like the national level. Oh, you know, those are yeah. that's my ultimate goal for Sabbath. You know, to be able to be take that the spirit of it on a national scale. Um, I know that requires contacts in every city, but you know, this is what it's all about. Sabbath is based on networking, and building connections with other people, and building something bigger. The sum would be greater than its whole. You know, so all these like communities coming together for one grander idea you know it's it'd be amazing to see nice that is good and it's important to dream big that's for sure perfect. and you know what 
what you guys have been able to do in such a small amount of time, mm-hmm. I see you guys doing that. No problem. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, any support is uh, well, well appreciated. Like yeah. it's you, have a you know, name, great branding, uh, like oh, yeah. Thanks, man. I yeah, I see it happening for sure. So it's uh, definitely yeah. just uh, some. It's like I said, it's like my testing ground for my marketing ideas. So yeah. we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it takes us. So do you have maybe uh, an idea for the next city? Um, I think Winnipeg would be pretty close. They have a huge Asian community and a huge basketball uh, community there. So I think that. They would probably be a definitely, they definitely have one for sure, there's no doubt about it. Um, I know Alberta has uh, a fairly large uh, Asian basketball community. See, it's so, it's so specific. Um, and I don't really have a lot of connections in Vancouver and Ontario, but I think yes. you'd almost have to do, you'd almost have to do like an East and West Coast thing too, because like, I'm sure you could probably come up with like five solid teams from like Toronto area or and whatever. So it definitely have to be, you know, some thought put into it. <laughs> but, you know, it's such a niche. So that's where sponsors come in, guys. Yep. So if you know anyone with a big uh, business or whatever, like, I don't know if Rogers wants to support, uh, support Savit, take it national, call at me. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely going to happen for you. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Just, you know, hearing your story and how much work you do and how much passion you put behind your work, how much creativity that you put into everything mm-hmm. and it's just all of that it's easy math you put that all together you're gonna get your results cool no thanks problem. man I, I I appreciate the the enthusiasm you have yeah. and yeah I'm, I will do what I can I'll do my best nice that's, that's all awesome. that's all I can do so have you always dreamt dream big um yeah well I don't know um, I just even though I like looking ahead uh, it depends. I don't really look always too far ahead. I'm usually a day ahead kind of guy. Okay. Uh, so as long as I know what I'm doing tomorrow, I'm, I'm, I should be safe. <laughs> um, but you know, there's that other side of me who, there's a spontaneous side of me that just kind of would love to have a day off and just kind of figure out what I'm going to do when I wake up. You know, that that would be the ultimate dream. You know, not having to worry about you know having to pay a mortgage or, you know, just be happy. <laughs> like I want to be retired, obviously now. So yeah. <laughs> don't we all? Don't we exactly. all? Exactly. Yeah. When do you want to retire? Uh, yesterday, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's. I don't know. With a, with a mind like mine, I don't think you would ever retire. Even if I was retired, I think I'd be bored. Like I'm. Yeah. I'm never sitting still. There's always something to be doing in my mind. All right. What would you say is the biggest difference between you now and you five years ago? Uh, I definitely know what I want now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, five years ago. You could say that you know I'm I've I've always thought of myself as a late bloomer when it comes to life. Um, I never really things never really came into perception or into clarity. Uh, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, obviously, and I feel like I've been living like that my whole life, almost sometimes. But like, especially when you get to a certain age, you kind of look back, obviously, and kind of th- figure out you know what would I, what advice would I give to my child or whatever. So you know, um, I've definitely learned how you know, how to protect not just your future, but your values. Um, yeah, five years ago, you know, I, where was I five years ago? I was working in the industry, I think. But even even before then, you know, just having the confidence of doing what you want to do with, you know, with full confidence, I guess. Like, just being, just growing into what you want to do with your life. Yeah. Like, I never really knew what I would really want to do, like, 
even then because you know the film industry obviously didn't wasn't exactly stable you know it's not like there's a you got a steady paycheck every every week you know um, there's definitely some grinding and hustling that had to happen um, so and as younger you think you could do things um, but your body doesn't always agree with what your mind yeah. <laughs> thinks it can so like you know I still think I can I still think I could dunk you know but my body's definitely no you, you can't dunk never could you never could Bernie <laughs> but um, you know um, just even being a stronger minded a stronger world recognizing like what's important in my life um, five years ago you know um, obviously I was I was dating someone but I never really thought of a marriage at the time or anything like that like just really thinking but now that she's into my life like you know she she and my family come first now whereas before you know when's what time is it like let's go drinking kind of yeah. mentality you know like I didn't really have any worries back then until you know when you buy a house it gets real you know yeah. you start to realize like what what things do you can you and have to cut out of your life you know shoes definitely no shoes I'm like <laughs> fuck can't buy sneakers so that was a huge sacrifice but you know it's all like I come back to you know what the purpose of life and you know uh, at my age everyone seems like everyone's getting married at our age you know like the older you get the more people start either yeah. getting married buying houses or having kids what do you feel will be the biggest difference between you now and you in five years? In five years coming up? Yeah, in the future. This is like a whole back to the future scenario right yeah. here. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, now we're going to look back, we're going to do a follow up and then you're going to be there. It's going to be awesome. Well, all right. Um, I would like to see myself with a defined career. Um, right now, I've, you know, not to say that I don't know what I want to still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. But I am juggling a lot of different uh, jobs, I guess. Um, only because film production is so project specific, and you know it only happens once in a blue moon, which is why I'm only doing these films now because I don't know when my next one's going to be. So yeah. I might as well get them now while while it's still hot, you know, while the fire, while the iron's still hot. Right. Um, so yeah, but so after I don't know, I'd like to see myself to continue to be doing movies. Um, uh, I'd like to eventually have like work with a collective like because marketing and advertising and that's always kind of been in my blood I've always been a big hype it guy you know like I love pumping events up and like stuff like like talent you know like I've always wanted to be some sort of somewhat involved in the music industry even though I know it's a tough industry to get involved in even though I have no musical talent but I can recognize talent yeah. um, but like you know just having some sort of like collaborative or like not an agency because I don't like to use the word agency but like some sort of a collective of like artists or collaborators who are really good at what they do and just kind of build like a creative you know um not like a environment but like you know i don't know it's, it's see that's what i'm saying it's not even really defined in my head yet but yeah. i just know that i want to collaborate with people who do good shit you yes. know um so something more concrete in mind about regarding that uh, obviously i see myself having a family in that time um but other than that i think i'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing I That's think good. I like, um, I like that. yeah it's there's so there's so many things that could happen obviously like I on a b bigger scale still. for sure I did I definitely want to be doing Sabbath nationally by then yeah. um, so yeah and still doing movies for all that, man. thanks it's man so am I thank you awesome. I'm stoked for the future for sure <laughs> <laughs> now, like, if you could leave behind something but when someone watches it, listens to it, or reads it, it screams Bernie. That screams me. Yeah.
Oh, there's so much. Because, yeah, I have so many different influences and, you know, so many different mediums now. Like, there's so much, like... Maybe top three, then? Oh, Screams Bernie. <laughs> I would probably leave Return of the Comeback, uh, my, my short film. Uh, just because it was, you know, it had my friends in it, and my friends are important to me. And it was, the whole collaboration of the project was, you know, us having a good time. And it wasn't, you know, now that I've gone through a filmmaking process, it can be stressful. And I remember thinking back to that shoot, that wasn't really stressful. To me, it was fun, which is why I got into it in the first place, because I thought, all shoots are like this. All shoots are, are fun. You know, I'm hanging out with my friends. We have a craft table here. Um, we're, sh making, we're making a movie. You know, people are acting, you know. Uh, so it was hilarious. It's, uh, it was, uh, and it kind of got my, my feet wet into, like, really what I had in my mind. It was the first time I had an idea in my head and really translating it on screen exactly the way I had in my head. So it was, a, it was a, an enlightening and very rewarding experience because it reflected not just kind of like my, my sense of humor, um, but uh, there's a message in there as well. And, you know, it, yeah, I say check out Return of the Comeback, um, even though it's old and super corny. But, you know, a lot of the work that I've done in the past has been like, you know, not my stuff. You know, I've been helping other people, you know, success, succeed at, you know, something that they want to accomplish. But... I haven't done a really a personal project myself, and that was probably the last one that I actually remember having a dope time with. I will, however, say it's not out yet, but um, right now, while I'm doing Wolf Cop at the same time, I've been involved in this uh, documentary that I've been working on for the last seven, eight years now. Wow. Um, yeah, actually, I'm sorry we didn't touch on this earlier. Balik Bayan from Victims to Survivors. And essentially, it was a project that was... Uh, that came from my buddy John John Ribeiro. His, uh, from his creative mind, he's an occupational therapist who works with uh, children with special needs. Uh, he's got his own practice in, Al in Edmonton, Alberta, called Key Creative. He was originally from Regina. He, him and his brother Joel Ribeiro were uh, childhood buddies. We grew up together. Probably the most a pair of the most musically inclined guys I know. Um, they're naturally they have a natural talent for music, uh, and um, so. John John as an occupational therapist, um, he because he's got his own practice. He incorporates a lot of um, a lot of alternate methods in helping children with special needs uh, do daily activities. Um, so he incorporates a lot of like uh, activities that use a lot of motor skills. So he's got, he's a black belt in in Taekwondo. So he uses a lot of martial arts to help you know kids with autism, you know, uh, teach them discipline and stuff like that. Okay. But as well, like he uses a lot of music and dance. Um, he's a really big avid. Uh, hip-hop aficionado, he, I would call him. Uh, one of the stylish guys I know. He always wears a bow tie every day kind of, okay. kind of deal. Very okay. stylish. Cool. Um, but he, it's his personality that, uh, you know, that everyone just gravitates to. And um, he's such a good-hearted guy. Uh, him and he gathered a bunch of people uh, to go to the Philippines to volunteer in this orphanage in Tacloban, Philippine, Leyte, Philippines. So the, the orphanage uh, is called Streetlight. And uh, every year, John and his wife Paula, they go to the Philippines every two years and just volunteer their time at an orphanage for a month. And um, we, he gathered a bunch of people. Uh, he brought me on. I went in 2009 with them to the Philippines and along with a couple other buddies uh, from Edmonton and Calgary. And we volunteered our time at this uh, orphanage and we, with no expectations, you know, we thought we would just hang out with these street children. And over the time, you kind of get to know them and kind of realize their situation. And, you know, you kind of realize the values and how spoiled we are in Canada here and how good we have it. Because, um, you know, seeing firsthand in a third world country, especially your home country, you know, um, it was, it was uh, definitely touched us, 
a spot in my heart, you know, obviously. Um, so spending time with them, we didn't know what to do. We were just told to bring whatever we had in our, in our artillery kit or whatever, like our talent kit, and just bring it. And, but the presence, your presence is a present itself, right? So just being there was enough for the kids to get themselves out of their, their mindset of a, the daily street life and the shit they have to endure every single day of their lives trying to find food and, you know, just living conditions is just like, you know, torrentious there, especially. So I was brought in to, you know, just kind of document the whole progress because um, while we were there, we were teaching them uh, workshops on like, uh, like dancing workshops, uh, basketball, like there's a guy who's, uh, his main thing was basketball. He liked to teach children. So we'd hold uh, a t basketball tournament with the, with the kids there. There was um, a, a talent festival that we held at the end of like our term. So we, the whole time we were there, we would uh, teach them dance moves. Um, teach them songs that we would sing, practice yeah. singing. So we, at the end of, the, of our time there, we would have a big talent show and then we would kind of, you know, show off everyone's awesome. talents, you know, <laughs> and kind of empower them to believe that there is something bigger out there than the street, you know. Right. They can go out and, you know, it's obviously harder in a third world country in the position that they're in, but, you know, to give them the inspiration to be able to reach their potential, their true potential. So we've been working with them since 2000. John has been working with them since 2007. I came on 2009 and have been involved ever since, although I haven't gone back since. But I've been contributing as far as like giving any artwork or like if they have shirts designed, you know, I've designed it for them. Yeah. But anyways, we're documenting the whole, the whole project. And, you know, we had enough to, you know, maybe start like a little awareness documentary, just kind of like this is the work that these Canadians are doing coming to across the world and help give their time to help, you know, someone else in need. So we developed a bunch of programs. We documented it all. We were, we we're going to cut this little, little movie, I guess you could say. And during the process, um, in 2012, Typhoon Haiyan or Typhoon Yolanda hit uh, Takloban. And Takloban specifically the hardest. Um, they were affected Im immensely. And, you know, it was a huge tragedy. Uh, the orphanage, you know, it was submersed. Uh, the kids were on the roof, you know, trying to survive, fight for their lives. Um, but... Thankfully, no one. There's a. They, a lot of the kids got safe uh, to a safer gun. They were transported away. But anywho, um, you know, ever since then, there's this whole story of like them now trying to rebuild pieces and trying to recover from such a destruct. You know, such a destructive event. Yeah. You know, this. There was like ship liners in in their like basically in front of their house. You know, that washed up ashore. You know, that's how bad it was. Um, so. Ever since, since then, um, they really called out to us because John, he does a lot of help with trauma, um, with people, uh, kids with trauma. So he was, asked, we were, he was asked to come back and, you know, do a workshop with these kids just to get them out of, like, the depression or any, like, post-traumatic syndrome that they may, might be suffering. So he came, him and a bunch of people went down and I sent a, I wasn't able to go because it kind of unfortunately fell during the time of Wolf Cop, while we were shooting Wolf Cop. But I, I sent a videographer and a... Uh, a shooter out there just to take my place and shoot, you know, interviews and just kind of get them talking about like what they had to go through. And through that process, it kind of was, gave them an outlet to, you know, be a little bit of therapy of them just talking about it. Uh, in the film, uh, we actually talk about, you know, a little bit of that process on how uh, these methods are used to help people with trauma overcome, you know, what they're going through. Um, so now that now that the, all the filming and all the interviews are completed, we're in post-production now um, to get this documentary done. Uh, we're hoping it's going to be out this spring, maybe. Um, there's no set date yet, but um, we're really hoping to... I think we're gonna, we might start a crowdfunding campaign just to like get the awareness out there. Um, it's really 
we really want to tell people about like, you know, comes back to the pay it forward kind of thing of donating, volunteering your time and to just pay it forward to someone else who has it less, not less as, fortunate. yeah, less fortunate than you. So, you know, um, so I'm really, really uh, looking forward to, for this project finishing because like, like I said, I've been working on this the last seven years, yeah. uh, working with these, this, the team that I've been working with, uh, really awesome team. Everyone's, it's a really positive outlook. Um, and like I said, it's not really, it doesn't really f focus on them as victims of the typhoon, but more as survivors and overcoming that. And it's a really, you know, heart to heart story about what these uh, street children had to go through and, you know, the steps that, you know, the organization is going to try to help better these kids' lives. And, you know, it's a really humbling experience to be part of this project, you know, also just because, you know, it's my home country, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, that could be me, you know, that could have been my parents would have stayed, decided to stay in the Philippines, you know, that could have been, that could have been me. Yeah, so, exactly. so yeah, just any, I'm really excited about that. So look out for Balak Bayan from yeah, Victim from to Survivors. Now too. So, yeah. Sorry, can you say the name again? So it's uh, Balak Bayan uh, from Victims to Survivors is the name okay. of it. Uh, you can check it out at the Balak, Balak .com or .ca, .com I think it is. I'll send you the link and you can yeah. put it up there. Sounds good. But yeah. Um, That's amazing, man. Thanks, man. That's yeah, great. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I can't wait to, to, you know, just do what I can to help in that as well. And if there's crowdfunding, I'll... Appreciate I'll, that. No, for sure. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Any, as long as you can spread the word. That's all I ask. Just yeah. uh, pay it forward and, you know, just get people knowing about it. Definitely. Definitely. That's great. Man, you're doing some great work. Thanks, man. I right, try. Okay, so, Sorry, this is like man, going super long. What else is there? There's got to like. Uh, what's next for for Bernie? What's next? Uh, well, Wolf Cop Two is coming up. Um, so we just got greenlit to shoot Wolf Cop Two. We're gonna be shooting January, February uh, this year. It hasn't really been announced, but Saskatchewan Film Week is next week, and we're gonna be making a an announcement then that um, it's gonna be a co-production between Saskatchewan and Ontario. So uh, we're excited to go to Ontario for half the shoot um, nice. to make this sequel the uh, bigger and badder than the first one, dirtier and hairier. It's gonna be uh, yeah, it's gonna be a hoot, man. It's gonna be super fun. I'm excited. Now, based on when you're allowing me to to post this, people may already know it's out. But... Sure. Yeah. Like if you haven't heard about Wolf Cop before, check it out. Go to wolfcop.com. And even if you just Google the words Wolf Cop on Google, there's six or seven pages of like blog posts like nice. you know reviews there's tons of reviews um, but if you haven't seen Wolf Cop before I know it's not for everybody but um, even my friends who didn't like who, this isn't normally their their thing they they loved it it's we definitely it's a tongue-in-cheek kind of uh, uh, film it's a uh, it's a it's a throwback to like old 80s uh, grindhouse movies you know so it's a uh, it's a good time it's not it's not really it's labeled as a horror comedy but it's more comedy than anything yeah so. man, I, I like the first one, and yeah, I can't wait for the second one. It's awesome, man. Good. Appreciate <laughs> it, man. No, it's a, it's a super fun project just because there's no bad ideas when it comes to making it, you know. He's an alcoholic cop who turns into a werewolf, you know, like, there's no bad ideas here. <laughs> and if you thought, if you did see the first one, and there's a certain scene in the first, there's a couple first scenes in the first one, you thought that was, like, taking it there, we take it there on the next one, so. Yes. Nice. I can't wait. And everything that you touch, I just have to acknowledge you, because... Everything you touch turns, I know it's kind of, kind of cliche to say, but turns to gold. Well, I wouldn't say gold yet, well, but I'm see, not. See, like, if you were to somehow put something out there and, you know, super blockbuster, there's a chance maybe there would be a one-hit wonder, right? But you're going through the, the 
rigorous of all the works that you have to do, right? You're building everything the way it's supposed to be built. Like, well, you can't just go in there and, for instance, Sabbath, you can't just go in there and be like, boom, first year we're doing a national tournament, right? Yeah. You, you got to you gotta build it. For sure. No, you, you got to pay your dues for sure. Yeah. And, and build experience. Yeah, you're doing that right now and to be able to sit here and to know you, it's just amazing, man. Well, I'm, I'm humble. I'm honored. Thanks, yeah. man. Like some big words there, <laughs> but no, sure. I'm no millionaire yet, man. I'm still in Regina. Yeah, that's, that's the key word there is that you said yet. Wow. Well, right? Yeah, of course. We all want to be millionaires yeah. for sure. Exactly. But I want to yeah. earn mine, not win mine. Well, I, of course I'd like to win them, but. Right. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, got to buy a lottery ticket today, by the way. It's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is awesome. I learned a lot from you and. And thank you so much for sharing so many stories. So can you share with us your favorite memory? I think, the, well, one of the moments was seeing my name on the silver screen and the credits of Wolf Cop when it first came up on screen. Uh, having the premiere on in July 2014 in theater, or June 2014 in theaters, and seeing my name in, like, a huge, the biggest screen I've ever seen my name in before, yeah. you know, was pretty, like, woohoo moment, you know. I was like, yeah, that's, I was, that's what it was all about, you know, like, you know, like to be able to be recognized for something that you put all this time and effort and your blood, sweat and tears into and have you recognized for all that, you know, it was a very uplifting experience, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'd say seeing my names on when Wolf Cop came up on screen, seeing Wolf Cop on on theaters for the first time was pretty awesome. Nice. Next to my wedding, of course. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> all right. I have another question, though. Sure. Is there anything that you could share with us that you have developed over the years on how you are able to control your mind, your thoughts, to stay focused, to stay on track, to be successful? Uh, it's a, that's a daily struggle, man. Yeah. <laughs> Every day I try to, like, I don't want to say that I have AD or ADHD or anything, but, you know, with the, the, the world I work in, like advertising, you know, the MTV generation, there's so many things like popping up at you. There's so many flashing ads, you know, so my line is always like running. So it's hard to like keep focused on certain on certain tasks, you know. So, you know, lately within the last couple of years, I've really had to, you know, really balance my time schedule is one thing. Um, not just because like you got to be able to sort out and organize your priorities on a day-to-day -day basis, but if you really want to become successful, you know, like you said, it's not going to happen overnight. It, yeah. it, you got to build and, on it and having the, the diligence and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not the determination, but like the mind, just like the general mindset to be, to have a sense of organization of like prioritizing, you know, little things of tasks that you want to accomplish to a bigger goal, you know? So, me working with so many different projects, you know, I really have to get myself into a mind Zen mode where I have to like use my calendar as like, a, you know, a task list, you know, where I would put something I have to do, like something as small as like, okay, I got to email this, the landlord of this place, whatever. I put that at, you know, I schedule an appointment in my calendar for like 1030. You got to call this guy, you know, and, you know, really time budgeting uh, things really helps speed up things that you think certain tasks take longer than they should, but realistically they could be done really quick if you really just do it yeah. you know so i'm and i'm a huge procrastinator man like i'm in fantasy i'm in two fantasy sports leagues you know and oh. so that's really <laughs> distracting um i have like you know a lot obviously i have a huge family and so i like spending time with like 
family as well. So there's a lot of things I have to juggle in my life with all the ongoing projects. So definitely keeping organized is, is very important. And to, to be able to manage your time properly and efficiently is something I've been trying to do for the last five years. And so far it's been working for me. But um, it's, getting up early is something I really have to do and learn. Because I know getting up early really increases your not just your mind for the rest of the day, but gets you more energized and you know i'm i'm a night owl personally i'm a guy who likes to like stay up late yeah likes to stay up late and that's when i think my mind flourishes and wanders more more of my creative ideas come at night but you know it's hard to stay up at night yet get up early in the morning it yeah. just doesn't work that way <laughs> you know i've I, lately as you get older you know the number of hours required of sleep required definitely goes uh, higher and higher and higher as you get older. So I used to run, be able to run in four hours sleep and be good the next day, but now I need, I can't function on no less than six. Yeah. So you really got to prioritize and get everything that you need to get done in, in that. But so give, giving yourselves like milestones to to hit, you know, it definitely will help you, you know, is one step closer to doing what you want to accomplish. Right. So. Okay. Nice. That's awesome, man. Really powerful. Really, really powerful. Yeah, the power of time. And do not under underestimate the power of time. You know, like, we waste it so much in our youth, you know, like, because yep. we don't have a care in the world, you know. But if, uh, if I would have had a, invested in a house when I was, like, 21, you know, I'd be laughing now, you know. Okay. So, you know, things that I would give that sports almanac to my younger self if I had that DeLorean <laughs> and, you know, or, But it would be, like, rental properties is what the book would be. It would be a real estate magazine. Buy these properties. Anywho. Nice. Hey, man, this has been great. I I loved every second of it, and learning from you is just amazing. Man. For sure, man. It's nice to get it out, you know, and record it, because, like, I tell people, like, a lot of these stories, like, from different people at time to time, but it's nice to, you know, have have a one-on-one -on -one with someone, and, you know, your questions are pretty challenging, and, you know, got, you know, got what you wanted to hear, I'm sure. For sure. But, um, no, it was fun. It was uh, nice to get it out. Awesome, man. Yeah, thank you for coming out here, and we'll definitely do a follow-up. Thanks, man. Pretty soon, I think. Yeah. Cool, man. Appreciate awesome. it. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. That was episode number 17 with Bernie Hernando. This concludes 17 weeks of the Cerebral Mind Control Podcast. It's been an amazing adventure and journey so far. This is the last episode of the of 2015. 2016, we're looking forward to 52 new episodes or more because, of course, I'm probably going to change into a two episode per week format but until then please leave a comment send me a message as to who you'd like to see next as well as some questions you'd like me to answer on the next solo episode ladies and gentlemen i can't thank you enough all the subscribers out there all the listeners out there please make sure you hit subscribe either on soundcloud or itunes and tell somebody about it help me grow this and get a larger audience and one more thing, Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you so much once again. I appreciate each and every one of you taking time out to listen to these podcasts. Have a great New Year. Have a safe New Year. And if you're listening to this in 2016, I hope you had a great party. And make 2016 your best year yet, because I know that I'm definitely making that happen for myself. And you'll be here every step of the way. I'll give you updates as well at the end of each episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, go out there every single day and work as hard as you can towards your dream. Let go your earthly tether. Enter the void. 
empty and become wind. So now you're off this, now you get back up to the gritty shit.